0: Heavenly Father, we come before you. We are so grateful that we can come alongside one another and worship together. Even though we are not in close proximity to one another, God, it doesn't change the fact that you still have a desire to speak to each and every one of us and move in our lives. God, I thank you that just as we worshiped a moment ago, you are the one who defines us. You are the one who gives us definition in our lives. Lord, we don't have to be defined by our successes or our failures, by our securities or our insecurities. Instead, we can find our value in who you say we are as sons and daughters of of God. Thank you for welcoming us into your family. And Lord, as we've taken time to prepare our hearts, I pray that we would be open to receive from you and your word this morning. God, I pray that not one person within the sound of my voice would uh, leave their 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 space where they're watching this morning without having been changed, challenged, and um, encouraged by you this morning. God, I just pray that you would speak to hearts today including myself speak to us in our areas of need as we uh, engage in the word together in your name we pray amen well good morning silver creek and welcome to church online if I have not had the chance to to meet you personally before my name is Pastor Ben I'm the associate pastor here at Silver Creek Church and uh, it is great to have you worshiping with us here this morning church at home church online whatever you want to call it wherever you are we are glad that you are in church here today And I love, I've said this before, but I love that we can continue meeting together online. I know that it looks a little different, it feels a little different. You are probably not dressed the way you would dress when you come to church. There's nothing wrong with that. I thought about wearing my pajamas this morning, but I didn't think it would be appropriate considering uh, the context of of what we're doing uh, right now. But it is so awesome to see that God still wants to do things in my life, in your life, in the lives of the people in our communities and across the nation. I believe that's true. He wants to do things in our lives. And the beautiful thing is that what he wants to do in our lives is not subject to a virus. It's not subject to a shutdown. The truth of God's love for you cannot be quarantined. Think about that for a second. God's love for you and the truth that is found there, it cannot be quarantined. It can't be silenced, and it can't ever be found to be out of stock. Thank goodness for that. It will never be quieted, and that's why we are so excited about being in church today and about having you in church today Because we believe God has something for you. Wherever you're at today, whoever you are with, wherever you find yourself in life, God has something for you, a way to encourage you. And we believe that's part of why you are here today. And that's why we are so excited to be in church. Now, it goes without saying, we've talked about it a little bit in the past. You know this to be true, but life is a little weird right now. Wouldn't you agree? I I think you would agree. I think it's fair to say that life is a little bit weird these days. There are new normals that we are having to get used to each and every single day. And so my question for you, hypothetically speaking, actually, you know what, not hypothetically speaking, take a moment And I would encourage you to let us know the answer to this question below in the comments. But what is a new normal for you? What is something that you have had to adjust to on a daily basis that you didn't have to before? It's a little different. It's out of the ordinary. Maybe it stretched you a little bit. But what is one of those new normals that you have found yourself in? It could be working from home. Maybe your new normal is that right now you're not working until uh, it's permitted to do so. Maybe you're learning to be quarantined with your children or your husband, and you are experiencing a crash course in uh, self-discipline and and making sure that they are all breathing and and you're not flying off the handle at them. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you're homeschooling your children for the first time. That's an interesting new normal. Uh, Maybe you're learning a new hobby. Maybe you have a sudden obsession with the weather and trying to figure out when it will stay above 50 degrees for any period of time. You know, I have a friend who, uh, they live in Wisconsin, and during this time of quarantine and um, the stay-at-home order, her husband has picked up a new hobby. He decided that he wanted to learn the accordion. Now, they have four young children, and it's hard to imagine that anything would overtake the energy or the, the volume that four young children could have, but the accordion is one of those. I don't know if he's musically inclined, but you can tell from her posts that she loves that he is learning that. There are new normals that we are experiencing. In fact, change is really at what's the at the center of everything we're experiencing and change is frustrating we don't all love change it causes us to stretch and it throws us into uncomfortable situations i hate stretching Um, I hate running, actually, but if I was going to run, I would probably need to stretch, and I don't like that because it takes what is comfortable, it takes that muscle, and it pulls it to a point of uncomfortability, and that's what change does to us. Over the past two months or so, we've all experienced some changes that can bring us and definitely have brought us feelings of anxiety, doubt, fear, and uncertainty to our hearts. If you joined us this Wednesday for uh, Midweek Devos with Pastor Kevin, he talked about dealing with some anxiety in our lives. We've had those feelings during this time. Part of it is change. Part of it's the uncertainty of what we are facing. We're experiencing those feelings and it is normal to be feeling that way. But change takes us from where we are comfortable, and it throws us into the unknown. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that's a change for me personally. Right now, it is Thursday afternoon, Thursday early evening, and I am in the sanctuary completely by myself. There is nobody else here except for me. This is weird. Because when I have the opportunity generally to, uh, to share on a Sunday morning with you, typically it happens on a Sunday morning, and this room is full of people. And I have, in this moment, I have no, no one to bail me out if I get completely lost or if I am failing to make a connection. As a, uh, when you speak in public, sometimes you need people that you can connect with if you need encouragement. And I know on a normal Sunday, there's different places, there's people that I can look at throughout this sanctuary that they will, whether they're nodding their head, whether they're just smiling, I can have that encouragement. And so this morning, a new normal for me, this afternoon actually, a new normal for me is being completely by myself, left to my own thoughts, left to my own fears and anxieties. And I want you to know It's awesome. Not really. It's frustrating and and it's you know, it's part of this whole thing, but it's a new normal. Right? It's a new normal. And then tonight I get the pleasure of going home and editing a video of myself speaking to an empty sanctuary and all those uh, emotions, that roller coaster of emotions that you experience. But really what I want, and this is this is normal because every time I have the opportunity to share, I want God to be able to speak through me to encourage his people, to encourage his church, to encourage you right wherever you are this morning, whether you're at home, whether you're uh, you're taking a walk, I don't know, I want you to be encouraged here today. Now sometimes as difficult and as challenging as change can be, what it does is it presents us with opportunities for growth, growth opportunities. Some of these new normals that you are experiencing actually have presented themselves as as ways for you to grow. And as part of that growth, as a result of that growth, you have found yourself in these situations and they have caused you maybe to be a greater asset to your workplace. Maybe they have caused you to become a better parent or to parent in a little different manner during this time. Maybe where you find yourself right now, a new normal for you, it has caused you, has kind of thrown you into having to rely on God to be your source of strength and provision during this time. Growth is a byproduct of change. So I want to encourage you, whatever that new normal is, as uncomfortable as it is, as frustrating as it might be at times, there is something good that will come and can come through that as we trust God. If you're finding yourself uh, to be a different asset at your work, that's amazing. God can bless that. If you're uh, changing the way you parent your children, maybe, maybe new things are, are at higher at the top of the list than they once were. Maybe right now you're having to rely on God for everything. As stressful as that can be, that is something that God wants to use in the midst of a difficult time, in the midst of a time of change, And it's something that he will bless. And I want to just encourage you that whatever you are going through this morning, whatever you're experiencing right now, today is not tomorrow, and tomorrow is not forever. What you are experiencing today will not last forever. And I know for a fact that God wants you to bring you through the situation that you are in right now, the situation we're in as a nation. He wants to bring us through that even stronger than we were when we went into it. And I want you to be encouraged by that fact this morning. See, today we're finishing up our sermon series called Hope Has a Name, and if there's one thing I've learned over the past number of weeks, it's that there are a lot of people in our nation and in our world, and this might be you this morning, who are low on hope. There's people who are running low on hope. Hope is a feeling that things will turn out for the best or an action of trusting and believing in something or someone. And you might be finding yourself this morning running low on those feelings, running low on those confidences that everything is going to be okay. And I want to encourage you once again, this phrase, hope has a name, the first time I ever heard it, it was in a a song, actually. There's a, a church in Minneapolis called River Valley Church, and their worship team wrote a song called Hope Has a Name. And the next line of that song is, Hope has a name, his name is Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the situation that you are in that you don't see how you're going to get out of or how you're going to deal with it. Jesus is my hope each and every day, and I want you to remember that fact. Romans 8.28, Pastor Kevin mentioned it during his midweek devotions. He said, and we know, this is Paul talking, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, that includes during change. In times of change, God is working for your good. If you have a relationship with God, if you are walking with him, if you're experimenting in your relationship with God, it's brand new. He is working for for your good. Also, a little bit of a newsflash, you have been called. If we have a relationship with God, he has called us to a purpose within his plan. We don't always know what that is, but that call is still there. God has and wants to show you specific purpose in your life. He wants you to understand the hope and the future that he has for you. Last week, Pastor Kevin shared a message called Hope and future and if you weren't with us last week go back check out that sermon so you can be encouraged about this hope and future that god has for us he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us and that is part of the hope that we have as christ followers because if we're going to realize these things that he has a hope and a future for us it's going to cause some things in our lives to change If we're going from where we are right now to realizing that God has a plan for us and it's good, it's going to cause us to change some things naturally in our lives. Change can be and often is painful, but there is still hope in the midst of that change because Jesus doesn't walk out on us when times get tough. Jesus doesn't abandon us when we make mistakes. He is with us through it all, and that is where our hope comes from. That's something that's so opposite of what we're used to. We're used to being abandoned when we make mistakes or when we no longer are performing the way that people think we should. But Jesus does not abandon us during those times. So today I want to talk about two things that bring about good change in our lives in relationship to our walk with Jesus that give us hope. Two things, I'm breaking the mold, you know, a lot of preachers, it's three points and you're out. This is two, so I'm letting you off the hook here with one. But two things that bring about good change in our lives. Now, the first one you're not going to like. The first one um, doesn't seem like it would be good. So please don't tune out uh, when you hear this. But the first thing that can bring good change in our lives is failure. Failure can bring about good change. I don't want you elbowing your spouse with the, hey, you bet you need to pay attention to this, okay, because he's about to talk to you. Don't do that. But I want to talk about how failure is a powerful experience, and it's one that we've all had in our lives. And when we experience failure, it has the power to do one of two things. It can cripple us, It can leave us defenseless. It can leave us in a situation where we don't even want to continue. We we don't want to move forward in whatever situation that might be. Or failure can actually motivate us and spring us in to, uh, to do better next time or to make changes. It can inspire us to push through that failure point, or it can keep us from approaching it ever again. Failure is tough to deal with. And we take it out on ourselves, probably the hardest if you 've ever been let go from a job, even for a good reason, it is so heartbreaking it's it's demoralizing i've been I've been there myself there was a, a time where I had a job, I was new, and they were giving me expectations and 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 i was I was doing what i could. I was doing the best that I had uh, to give at that time i was I was still very new to it, but I had made some changes that were expected of me. And uh, everything was going good, and, and eventually some things changed. I didn't know they had changed, but uh, that I was let go. And I remember being so heartbroken. I remember be- feeling so vulnerable. I remember feeling so confused about what this meant for myself. I felt like a failure. But through time, as time went on, I began to learn some things about myself. I began to learn some things about places that I needed to work, the type of person that I needed to work for, and it actually helped me grow as the, the time went on. Failure hurts, but it's part of our growth and development as humans. Now, some of you may have seen this. You're aware that this is going on, but there is a new limited time series that's taking place on ESPN, I believe, and it's called The Last Dance. And it's all about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls teams of the 80s and late 90s. And, and these teams ended up being some of the best teams in all of NBA history. Now, I, I'm not looking to start a debate because I'm not an NBA expert, but, but they, they won six championships twice, it, two different times. They won back-to-back-to-back to back to back Championships. Michael Jordan, he, uh, he was a six-time NBA championship MVP. He won the normal MVP, I think it was five times. He was at the top of his game. Now, baseball was a different story. He was not great at that. But this documentary, it covers these teams. And Michael Jordan quite possibly could be considered the greatest basketball player in all of history and he is famously quoted as saying this quote. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot, and I've missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that's why I succeed. That's why I succeed. How interesting is that perspective I believe that what he's talking about is failing forward when we make mistakes he's talking about learning from those mistakes and allowing those to take place that that the things that you're learning and apply them to your life to that situation to the next time you face something very similar I think he's talking about not letting our failures that we all have determine your tomorrow, and he's talking about not allowing ourselves to be stuck in the past. Thomas Edison also said, with reference to uh, the invention of the light bulb, I have not failed, I have just found 10,000 ways that won't work. There is something to be learned in failure. Failure is the quickest way to experience change, or at least to realize the change that needs to happen. See, we're prone to believing the lies that the enemy tries to convince us of when he tells us that our failures somehow make us unusable by God. I don't know about you, but I know that Satan has said those things to me. He has told me, reminded me of places that I failed, relationships that I screwed up, Decisions that I made that weren't the best, and he tells me that that's why God has no interest in using me. He wants to capitalize on our failures. He wants you and I to believe that God only has a plan, that he only has a future for the people that have it all together. Yet in scripture, we see that some of the most incredible stories of God calling, using, and equipping people to be part of his plan were in fact the biggest failures of all. Think about it. Think about some of the Bible stories that you recall as a young person about um, the the stories that just, they were incredible. The story of Jonah and the whale, David and Goliath. The the characters in these stories, they were failures. They were failures. They did things that were in direct opposition to what God had told them to do, yet God still used them to be part of, of his plan. People like Paul who literally persecuted Christians, he used him to, to reach so many people in that time after he had an experience with God. Your past, your failures do not in any way, shape, or form cancel out God's ability to use you in his plan. That is a lie from Satan that he wants you to believe and it's an important distinction that needs to be made. And this is the thing. This is the thing that Satan leaves out and that you need to be reminded of this morning and it's simply this. We forget this simple truth that failure is not final. My failure is not final. The mistake that I made today does not have to dictate tomorrow. Now, I might have... Uh, consequences for my actions or my choices that I have to deal with tomorrow. But tomorrow can be an opportunity for me to make a change in my life, in my relationship with God, and in my relationship with that person, in that situation at work, and move forward going ahead smarter and more equipped than before failure isn't final. In fact, in Psalm 73:26, David says, "My flesh and my heart, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever." Jesus told Peter that he was going to build his church through Peter in Matthew 16, chapter 16. Peter was supposed to be the foundation of the early church, but by the time we reach chapter 26, we see Peter literally disowning Jesus. He's looking people in the eye, and he, he tells them, I have never met the man before. What a, a crazy turn of events, because I'm sure when Jesus told Peter, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. You're going to be the cornerstone. You're going to be the foundation of of my church, Peter was probably pretty excited. Now, he might have been a little nervous, who wouldn't be, but he he goes from that point of humility and, and being humbled by what Jesus wants to do to then 10 chapters later literally telling people he never met Jesus. And oftentimes we would think, well, man, that's the last time we're going to hear of Peter. But it's not. It's not because... Uh, we see that God restored him later on. Peter failed and he failed miserably Uh, But out of that failure came some incredible change in his life. We see that he was one of Jesus' own disciples. He fell victim to fear and to doubt and to uncertainty. But then in uh, in Acts chapter 2, we see that that fear and uncertainty was replaced with a boldness. And that boldness led Peter to stand up and challenge the people that were in attendance. And it resulted in 3,000 people putting their faith in Jesus... Peter literally held the first altar call of all time. He goes from from being a disciple of Jesus to disowning Jesus to being the foundation of his church that Jesus told him he would be. Change happens in our failure As long as we don't sit in that failure, as long as we trust Jesus to bring us out of that, it is good change. It's good growth that can take place. And I want to encourage you, if you are feeling like a failure in in a situation, at something at work, in a relationship, in your marriage, please know that God wants you to grow in the midst of that failure. He doesn't want to define you by it. He wants you to bring you through it better than you were before. Before, Number two, first one was failure. The second thing that brings about good change in our lives is forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the most life-altering experiences that we can have as humans, and uh, it doesn't matter if you're on the giving end of forgiveness or you're on the receiving end of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a two-way street, and it doesn't matter which side of it you're on. Change takes place in either lane change takes place when we give and when we receive forgiveness in our lives now I got to ask you a question and I know that this probably I'm the only one that this has ever happened to but I have to ask have you ever been driving down the road you're minding your own business you're not on your phone you're not playing with the radio you're just minding your own business And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, some maniac swerves into your lane, nearly gives you a heart attack, and they don't even have the decency to give you the one thing that might make up for it a little bit. What is that? It's a little courtesy wave. Like, oh, sorry, you know, they can't even give you the courtesy wave. We've all had it happen. We've all had it happen. But how many of us, this is the question that I would have, how many of us, you've decided that the next thing you're going to do after he cuts you off, after he makes you slam on your brakes, have a little heart attack, maybe, uh, maybe need new pants when you get home, I don't know, he, the first thing that you've ever done, do you ever say, I forgive you? No, no, we don't do that, right? We don't do that. Instead, we may be more likely to use some choice words or expressions that wouldn't be suitable for church or in front of your kids. Maybe you're you're a grumbler or a growler. You don't actually say anything, and it's just... (laughs) You're just kind of shaking your head. I've seen that one happen, too. Maybe you tailgate the guy up to the next light, um, and make sure that he knows when you lay on the horn, whatever it is. If I'm honest, my go-to in that situation, it's not smart, it's kind of dangerous, but if I get cut off and I look up, uh, mine is the, hello, which then I realize my hands are not on the steering wheel, and it's super dangerous. So, um, but we don't react well in those situations. We are so prone to falling into unforgiveness at a drop of a hat and it's it's a product of our sinful nature it's a product of sin at work in our lives it's just who we are we will sit and we will stew on that little interaction or altercation or misunderstanding of what was said until it consumes us we want justice we want people to know that what they did was wrong and we want them to to feel conviction for what they said and how they treated us we want those things but we can so easily get overrun by anger or dwell on a situation that only brings us further into unforgiveness. It only furthers us down the rabbit hole into what is not, uh, it, it's not helpful. It doesn't do things that are good for us. But forgiveness itself, it leads to Freedom. And freedom is the ultimate in hope and the ultimate in change. Think of it for a second. When we experience forgiveness in our lives, just like the forgiveness of our sins that God extends to each and every one of us, we are free immediately from the guilt, from the shame, from the bondage that sin brings with it. When we experience that forgiveness, we experience freedom. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When God forgives us, he doesn't do it partway. He doesn't do it temporarily. He literally removes it from his memory. The God who knows everything literally removes our sin from from his memory when we ask for forgiveness. And the cool thing is, when we extend forgiveness, it frees us from being a prisoner to the hurt, to the anger, and to the pain that comes with that situation. Forgiveness is a two-way street. There is growth that takes place in us both ways, whether we are giving or receiving that forgiveness. I think that Obviously, that's why Jesus lived his life the way he did. That's why Jesus forgave those who killed him, because he wanted to show us an example of grace and mercy and forgiveness, understanding that, that good things happen when we forgive, understanding that great things happen when we no longer allow a person or a situation to control our joy, to control our happiness, because we are simply unwilling to give it to God and allow him to help us forgive. I'm probably going to butcher his last name but Lewis B Smeds said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. When we deal with unforgiveness we allow ourselves to be held captive to that situation to that insult to that hurt to that person and we do it to ourselves. Because really, that person has nothing, has no control over you besides what they said. And then it's up to us to decide what to do with it. Forgiveness is a two-way street that has growth opportunities and blessings both ways. In fact, David says in Psalm 32 verses 1 through 2, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. It's so amazing because when we forgive, we free the other person from the guilt that they're experiencing. And we're free from our joy being held hostage. When we don't forgive, our joy literally can be held hostage by the enemy, by that situation, by that person And so when we go through the process of forgiving them, even if what they did was terrible, we're not saying it was okay, but we are not allowing that unforgiveness to settle in our hearts. When we do that, it does something in them and in us. And what Psalm 32 says is that we are also blessed in the process. We're blessed in the process when we are forgiven. We're blessed throughout God's decision to forgive us when we ask. I want you to know that gives me hope that the choice of giving and receiving forgiveness is a necessary thing, a necessary change that I need in my life. And so I just want to close in prayer in just a minute here. And if you haven't already put it together, these two things are related, right? Failures... And forgiveness are as related as they can be. And I believe that Jesus wants to give us a hope. Jesus wants to give us future, but he also wants to change us. And change can happen through our failure. Change can happen as we walk through forgiveness in our lives. And the very first thing that Jesus wants to do for each and every one of us is to experience forgiveness for our sins. That's literally why Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for you and me was that our sins could be forgiven, that it could restore our relationship with God and ultimately lead to an eternity in heaven with him. But oftentimes we think that our failures kind of take us out of that equation. And so if you're you're watching this morning, whether this is Sunday or maybe it's next week, and you're dealing with some failures in your life, and you can't get past it. I want to past it. I want to encourage you to not allow yourself to be defined by your failures. Remember that today is not tomorrow, and tomorrow is not forever. You need to remember that your failures are opportunities to grow, and there is something that God walks with you through. I would encourage you if you're in the midst of one of those failure moments. To so take just a just a, a few minutes each day and ask God to show you where he is at. Allow him to show himself in the middle of a, a dark situation and follow him through that time and see how he brings you through that failure, how he restores what happened, how he blesses you as a result of that obedience. And you also might be here this morning and you say, Pastor, Pastor Ben, I, I A, maybe I can't forgive someone for what they've done. Or B, maybe it's, I've never experienced that forgiveness that Jesus offers that you're talking about. I want you to know that it is simple. If you need help forgiving someone today, simply ask God to work in your heart. I want to partner with you, I want to pray with you as it regards to forgiving others this morning. And if you've never received forgiveness from Jesus for the sins that we've all committed, that I've committed all you have to do is ask, so in just a moment we're going to pray together, and wherever you're at this morning, wherever you fall in that equation, if you're dealing with failures or you're dealing with forgiveness, I want to encourage you just to to pray along in your heart, ask god to uh, to deal with that area of your life, to open yourself up to whatever it is he has and uh, and if that's today, if that looks like beginning a relationship with Jesus for the first time, I want to I want to encourage you in that and partner with you in that. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I lift up your people to you. Lord, I thank you that in every home, on every couch, on every device, every person who's watching, you know right where they are at. Father, I thank you that you know what we're dealing with. I thank you that you know the failures that we are maybe in the midst of right now. And God, I thank you that even when we think we are too far gone to be brought back, when we are too far gone to want to be used by you, God, I thank you that you offer restoration, that you want to walk with us during those dark times, that you want to bring us out in a different place than we walked in. And ultimately, you have a plan for us within your kingdom, within your mission, within your vision, God, to be used by you. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to hearts that you would remind them that their failure is not their identity. Their identity is found in you and you consider them to be a son and daughter of yours. And with that comes certain privileges and one of those is restoration. One of those is being included in your kingdom despite the mistakes that we have made. And Lord, I also pray for the one here today who's struggling with forgiveness. Maybe they're unable to forgive others because they have not yet forgiven themselves or yet have opened up the, their hearts to being forgiven by you. Lord, I, I thank you that um, our failures open us up to your forgiveness. And God, through forgiveness, it begins to change our heart. Father, I pray that you would give us more of your qualities, more grace, more mercy the ability to forgive people when they, when they hurt us, when they break trust, when they damage relationships. And God, I pray that we would also be able to ask forgiveness when we do those same things. Father, if there's someone here today who has never confessed with their mouth that you are Lord and confessed their sins, for, uh, God, I pray for the first time that they would do that. Pray that they would open their heart up to what you have, and that God, I thank you. We are not met with condemnation when we approach you with our shortcomings, instead, we are met with open arms, we are met with forgiveness, and we are met with restoration. Father, I thank you for each and every person. I thank you for how you are speaking to us and challenging us this morning, and I pray that these areas of our lives would bring forth amazing, amazing change that stretches us but takes us further into your plan for our life. God, give us hope. Give the people of Silver Creek and within the sound of my voice hope that only comes from you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I want you to know if you asked God for forgiveness and, and even the ability to extend forgiveness to other people, maybe for the first time today, I want to celebrate with you. In just a moment, Pastor Kevin's going to give you some information um, about about some some things that we want to put in your hands, and, and I just want to celebrate with you. And so I am so excited that you uh, responded to what God is doing uh, and that you were you open to him speaking to you this morning. Uh, We are, I said it again, we've said it a ton of times, we are so glad that you worshiped with us this morning, Silver Creek Church, wherever you are at today, whenever you are watching, we are glad that you were in church today, and we are so looking forward to seeing you as soon as we can.